Strava! Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today is me, Jeff, and I'm here with Aaron and Greg, and today we're going to be talking about Strava. So Strava is an app and a website that a lot of mountain bikers use, and we've had some of our listeners suggest that we talk about it on a podcast. So Greg, Aaron, and I, we all use Strava, so we're excited to talk about what it is and what it's all about. So I wanted to start off by asking, what is Strava? At its most basic, I think Strava is a training log. And with Strava, you can log all of your mountain bike rides and any other physical activities that you do. So the concept of a training log isn't exactly new. You know, People have been doing this on paper for literally decades. Um, people have been doing it online for many, many years. But one of the new things that Strava adds to the equation is that it's also a social network. So instead of just logging your rides in isolation, you follow your friends who also ride on Strava and you can see um, what everybody's riding, where they're exploring, and uh, if you're competitive, what the competition is up to. So it adds that social aspect along with comments, likes, um, most of the things you might expect to find like on Facebook. But with athletes on Strava. On top of that, you can also find rides and routes and places to explore, both by watching your friends and exploring some of the features that Strava has. And we'll talk a little bit more about these, but Strava offers things like heat maps, which show where people have been riding the most, things like segments, which are specific portions of a road or a trail, um, and other recommended routes and different features on top of that so that's it at most basic so strava is also a uh, virtual race um so what you can do what greg mentioned is you can create a segment on a section of trail or on the road and then once the segment is created other users on strava who ride that segment will be ranked by their time and if you are the fastest on that particular segment, you are either the king or queen of the mountain. So it's either a KOM or a QOM. And that term comes from road racing. When a stage race, they awarded the best climber of the race, the king of the mountains jersey. So uh, while you can create segments that are climbs on Strava, it's, uh, there's also you know flat segments or uh, downhill segments as well. So it's not... Not just the best climbers out there. There's also a KOM and QOM award for uh, descending. Right. And how, how do you see who is the king of the mountain on Strava? And how do you keep up with that? So there's a, a leaderboard for each segment. So you can go to your, your ride after you upload it to Strava. And below you'll see all these segments with different names on them. And you can click on them and you can see how you stacked up and... Um, you know, Strava, one of the cool things about Strava is it'll let you know where, you know, where your time on this particular ride stands in comparison to your own previous times on that ride. So you could have a personal record on a segment and, you know, maybe you're still not king of the mountain overall, but you know, you've improved your own personal time there. Right. Great definitions. So how does, how do people get started with Strava? What do they need to start joining these virtual competitions and using Strava as a training log? Well, probably the easiest way to get started is just with your smartphone. 
Strava from the very beginning has had apps for various um, smartphones and different operating systems. So basically any smartphone you have, you can use Strava. And it, the app essentially works like a GPS unit. It tracks your ride, then you upload it to your profile, and it automatically ranks you against everybody else. Um, you can even turn it on to have live ranking as you ride via the smartphone app. So you can even see how you stack up as you complete segments during a ride, if you so desire. I don't use that, but some people do. Um, you can also, lots of people also have GPS units. And so any dedicated GPS unit, you can upload that data to Strava after your ride and get the same benefits. So there's a few different ways to go about it, but Strava does a good job of pulling in this data from all these different sources and then comparing it. For sure, yeah, I can I can definitely agree with you there, Greg. I mostly have used Strava on my phone as well just because it's easy. I always have my phone with me, um, which it's nice. I can log just the, the quick, you know, if I ride to lunch or something and it's just two or two and a half miles round trip, you know, I don't have to worry about bringing a GPS with me. I've already got my phone in my pocket. I just turn, you know, turn Strava on. And it's a, you know, that, the reason I started using it was just as many people do just as a training log. So it's, it's a cool and easy way to track your miles during the year. Yeah. And lately I've even been seeing people hooking in their like trainer rides, like indoor trainer rides into Strava. So there's this thing called Zwift that I know Jim Hodgson uses, one of our <laughs> writers, and it's basically like a virtual, you know, training ride. And so he's getting on leaderboards and things, but competing against people riding these virtual courses. And you can even get like super fancy trainers like the Wahoo Kicker that uh, have like pre-programmed resistance programs that you can ride and you can actually get on leaderboards with that and hook it into your Strava. So these are, these are high tech times we're living in right now for sure. One final thing to note, talked about it as a training log and you very literally can use it as that and create manual activities. So you can log uh, other activities that might not be bike activities or if you didn't GPS a ride, you can add that to your log manually and you can also choose whether or not those things are public or private. So Personally, I use Strava both to track my rides and to log other fitness-related goals such as weigh-ins, um, other cross-training workouts, and different things. And I can log those manually both via the app and via the Strava website. So um, this guy really is the limit for how you want to interact with it. Yeah, good point. So we talked about a lot of the cool things that you can do with Strava, but at the same time, Strava tends to be fairly polarizing. We did a survey a couple years ago asking mountain bikers if they use Strava. And at that point, over half, about a little over 60% of the people that we asked uh, weren't using Strava. And people gave various reasons for why they weren't using it. But what are some of the reasons you guys have found people find uh, Strava so polarizing? Well, you can definitely have people that take the racing aspect uh, very seriously and that may not be the best idea um, on the road or on the trails honestly if they're busy trails if they're multi-use trails that can really create some user conflicts which you know is not not good for anyone um, and you know you can have people cutting trail because they're trying to find the fastest way 
down and win this segment and it's all for kudos you know that's that's their version of likes on on strava so um yeah people can get really heated up about uh a prizeless competition i suppose so <laughs> people take the bragging rights seriously and that that turns a lot of people off yeah there's even been a case it's been several years now but i believe it's back in 2012 a rider died uh, while he was trying to get one of these king of the mountain prizes one of these virtual prizes um, and his family filed a lawsuit against Strava, and in the lawsuit they said that, that the guy was basically obsessed. He was obsessed with Strava, and every time someone you know beat him on the leaderboard, he would be back out there you know, trying to take back his title. Um, and so, yeah, people can definitely take it way, way too far. Yeah, and the family's point was that you know, Strava was encouraging reckless riding, I guess, because you get an email, you know, when you lose a KOM, you get an email as soon as that ride is uploaded, and it goes, uh-oh, you know, Jeff Barber just stole your KOM on super sweet downhill, and you're like, ah, oh, no, Jeff Barber, that guy sucks, I gotta go beat him, so, yeah. <laughs> but in, in Strava's defense, there are a lot of mechanisms that they put in place over the years to encourage people to ride safely people can report segments as being dangerous a lot of road segments will um people might make one that like goes through a stoplight and so people that are chasing that you know they want that top spot they might run a red light just to get it and so you know if you find a segment that is unsafe for whatever reason then you can flag it and strava you know will decide whether or not they should take it down one final reason some people don't use Strava is for privacy purposes. Despite the fact that you can mark your rides as private, some people don't feel comfortable with the wide internet being able to see what they ride and where they're riding. And there are also issues with trails that may be not quite as legal as they should be in people riding on those trails. And you see segments and maps and stuff popping up from a place where you know there isn't an authorized trail. And that becomes can become a really big issue. We there's been documented cases of trails being closed because of Strava data that gets popularized. Um, illegal trails being brought to light, things like that. We don't advocate for riding illegal trails, but the privacy issue um, is a very real concern for some mountain bikers. There's issues of stalkers as well. So you, in Strava, you can turn like a privacy zone on like around your house. So I, I do a lot of running and most of my runs start and end at my house. So I've got like a privacy zone, you know, mapped out on there. So it doesn't show exactly where my runs start and end. Um, so that's definitely a good idea. Another thing, the thing that I hear the most from people about why they don't use it is um, they're just afraid that as soon as they start timing and tracking their rides, that they're going to somehow enjoy the ride less. So I've heard that from a lot of people who like, these are the same people who don't ride with watches, stopwatches and um, that kind of thing. People, a lot of people just don't want to even compete with themselves. They know that they are going to take it too seriously and it's going to impact their ride. So a lot of people just don't do it just so they can enjoy the ride more. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, you know, there are rides where I am taking it very seriously and I'm usually that's when I have my Garmin unit on the handlebars. But 
if I'm just out for a cruise, you know, I'll have my phone in my pocket or in my bag or something like that, and I'll run it just because I want to track the mileage, not necessarily because I want to, you know, get competitive or anything. So, but I can definitely see, you know, I did, I have spent, I have spent time battling buddies over, over KOMs before, so I, I can see how the temptation to get sucked into the competition is definitely there. Yeah. One more thing I'll mention about the competition side is that the competition is so fierce that people have invented what others are calling digital EPO. So you can take your Strava data, run it through a website, and they'll you know shave seconds off your time, basically allowing you to cheat. Um, and you know honestly, there isn't a lot that Strava can do about it. Unfortunately, um, you know in terms of the ways that people are manipulating their ride time. So that's one thing to keep in mind too. If you're chasing a KOM that just seems impossible to reach, chances are maybe somebody cheated. Um, so it, take everything that you see on Strava with a grain of salt. Strava also has a feature that lets you uh, sort of contest a time that somebody gets on a segment. So you can flag it as being you know incorrect or whatever sometimes people will like accidentally leave their gps on when they drive away from the trail and it'll be like oh so and so just rode 60 miles an hour um and so those are like easy for them to to knock out but again yeah you you never know exactly what someone did it's not it's not like a real race where you have course marshals and tape and everything like that not sanctioned right unsanctioned racing so for people who aren't racers or aren't competitive about mountain biking, is there any real reason for them to use Strava? Definitely. So personally, I rarely use the leaderboards or the segments or any of that stuff. It's nice to know when I get a PR and I'm bettering myself, but above and beyond that, I never use that data. But for me, I prefer all the ride tracking and um, just ride logging benefits that Strava provides. So to go into those, there's a bunch of different ones. Number one, you know, as you log those rides, they're in your training calendar, they're in your Strava, and they're always going to be there. There are plenty of times when I think to myself, you know, I'm pretty sure I rode such and such a trail back on, you know, September of 2012. And I can go back four years ago and look at that and find that data. And that helps me with you know, seeing where I've been, giving advice to others when they go ride, um, but it's all in that chronological format. Another way that we can harness that data, especially on single tracks, is through the tracker integration. So you can actually connect your Strava account to single tracks now, and single tracks will automatically import your mountain bike rides for you. And you can access that data in a different way on single tracks. And those maps also, if we don't have one yet for a specific trail that you rode, um, we'll go out to our users after they go through our approval process. So that way you can automatically help build the mountain bike map database on single tracks just by using Strava, which makes it super convenient. And finally, one of the features that I love the most, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more because it's a premium feature, but are the heat maps. So if you're talking about archive maps, historical reference and overall statistics. I geek out about that stuff personally. I geek out about maps and stats and um, the Strava heat map pulls in, well, I was going to say all of your rides, but you can set up custom timeframes. You can create all different 
types of parameters for your maps, but my favorite heat map is just my overall cycling heat map. So it pulls in all my public rides from all time into this heat map and shows like in hotter um, spots, like what trails and roads I've ridden the most. For me, it's trails. And in other spots, which have been ridden the least, but it also combines them all to make a really cool map. So I use it in a bunch of different ways. Right on. Well, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the single tracks integration too. Um, part of what that allows you to do is track which mountain bike trails you've ridden. A lot of people are really interested in, you know, exploring a lot of different trails. And so that's a good way to catalog the trails in Strava. You can add titles and things and descriptions to your rides, but they're not always, um, as easy to categorize as, as our, my trails list on single tracks. Um, and then we also, use that information to allow people to report trail conditions. So um, it's an easy way to get a reminder after your ride to update the trail conditions and let other people know, you know, hey, it's, it's a little wet out there today or, hey, you know, the trails are in awesome shape. So I, that's, a, that's a fun feature that I enjoy doing that has nothing to do with competition. So, Greg, you talked about the heat maps and the global heat map. What are Strava... The Strava app itself and the website is free. It's completely free to sign up for an account. But there is a paid version of Strava that they're always bugging us about to upgrade to. So I wanted to ask you guys, well, one, are you paid subscribers? And two, is it worth it? I'm not. <laughs> I use it a lot, but I don't I don't use the paid version. I mean, I don't. Um, the heat map thing actually sounds really cool, and that's probably almost worth worth the price of admission to me too because that, that would be neat to see um but you know there there's a lot of features on there and um depending on how geeky you want to get with your data uh, they may make more sense like if you're using power especially if you're training with a power meter um there's a lot more tools that they offer uh, that you can uh, take advantage of with the premium membership um one thing that the premium membership does, I think it still does anyway, is it lets you categorize the leaderboards and it can, you can do it by like age, and which I actually think is, um, I mean, that just seems like everyone gets a trophy. Like, let's see how far we can slice this up until it's, you know, all right, I'm this break it down to 34 year olds that are, you know, but it makes you feel good. So that's worth, <laughs> that's worth a little extra money, right? I guess so. Yeah. That's what you're paying for. Um, so no, I don't, I don't currently, uh, use it, but, um, yeah, I've definitely been tempted to, uh, to up to the premium membership. So yeah, I mentioned a little bit, but yes, I am a paid subscriber and basically the only paid feature I use is the personalized heat maps, but I use them on like almost a daily basis. There are a few like websites out there that, um, can pull in your data via an ape, the Strava API and like generate similar heat maps, but I've used those um, free options, and they're just not as good as Strava's native features um, by far. So I I really love the heat maps. I have a bunch of different heat maps set up that I can look back on historical data, analyze data over time, um, and just generally geek out over them. So yeah, might not be worth it to you, but um, to me, I dig it. One of the things I 
like is actually useful to me about these heat maps is I can look at the heat map and see where I've ridden, but then based on the map, I can be like, oh well, I've ridden this, but I haven't ridden this connecting route, and that um, helps motivate me to get out, explore new terrain that I might not otherwise explore, and sort of expand my horizons a little bit. Well, I, I recently upgraded to Strava Premium, and the re- I think the reason that I did was I wanted to download like GPX data from somebody else's ride. Um, and GPX data is basically like the, you can download the raw file and put it on your GPS or um, there are also apps you can use to follow different routes. But um, that's a cool feature. If you find rides on Strava that you haven't done that look interesting, you can get that GPS data. And I believe that's a premium feature to do that. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, most of it is, it is pretty geeky stuff. Um, I haven't used the heat maps that much myself. And I think if I was training, I could definitely see the value in a lot of that data. Like Aaron said, there's a lot of power data, um, which I actually, I'm testing a power meter right now and, uh, actually went on a ride last week with it and, brought it into Strava and yeah, it's really cool to see that, that data on there. I'm not sure how to use it yet. Uh, cause I'm not, <laughs> not like a big power training expert, but, um, I could definitely see that if I was somebody who needed that would be a good feature to have. What kind of watts you laying down, Jeff? Uh, I'm not sure actually. <laughs> <laughs> pretty yes. good Watts. I'm, I'm laying down pretty, Lots of pretty good Watts, I think. We talked about a lot of the cool features that Strava has, but Strava is not, it's not perfect. They're always adding new features and things, but there's still a lot of features that mountain bikers have been asking for that uh, are not part of Strava. So what do you guys have some things that you would like to see Strava add for mountain bikers? Number one thing that Strava doesn't have is a way to you know, mark your activities as a mountain bike ride versus a road ride. They just have one bulk category for biking, which doesn't seem very informative especially when i you know personally like i ride road i ride mountain maybe i commute those things aren't the same thing um and you could argue like it's all riding but strava already has like different categories for walking hiking running and snowshoeing which are basically four of the exact same thing like foot travel so uh, i'm not sure why we can't you know mark our mountain bike rides separate from our road rides so Strava, please, mountain bike rides. Yeah, one of the things we didn't mention earlier was the idea of challenges on Strava. So companies will often sponsor a challenge where they'll say, you know, try to ride 100 miles in two days or something, and you can earn a little badge. And so Strava does these challenges all the time. A lot of them, some of them will be about climbing. So it'll be like climb 100,000 feet on your bike in a month. Uh, which is a pretty good challenge. But none of these challenges, at least the ones I've seen so far, are mountain bike specific. So if you're on a mountain bike, you know, riding 100 miles is a much bigger deal than if you're on a road bike trying to ride 100 miles. So I've personally shied away from a lot of those challenges because it doesn't really seem fair. You know, I don't want to compete against guys that are, you know, flying up roads and, you know, wrecking a lot more miles than I can on a mountain bike um, just by putting in the same amount of time. So it would be cool to see some mountain bike specific challenges. 
also, yeah, like Greg said, the it would be cool to see leaderboards based on whether you're doing a mountain bike ride or a road ride. Again, if you're riding up a hill on a mountain bike, you're not going to be competitive at all on the leaderboard uh, for that road segment. So it would be cool to filter that by equipment type, but also even, you know, mountain bike races these days, there's all kinds of categories. There might be a single speed category or heck, maybe even a fat bike category. So it'd be kind of cool if you could filter that by the type of mountain bike people are riding. Um, and then other minor stuff, like if you're riding at a bike park, um, you know, you're doing like lift served biking. A lot of times it's going to, if you just leave your Strava running, it's going to mark the lift that you're riding as part of your ride. And that's annoying. I, I accidentally got some like KOMs on some climbs at a ski resort just by riding the chairlift. And it's pretty obvious when you look at the map, it's these like straight lines that are going right up the hill and there should be a way to filter that out. Strava should be smart enough to figure out that you're on a lift versus going downhill. So those are, those are some of the ideas that I have for how they could make it a little bit better for mountain bikers. Well, cool guys, this has been a fun discussion about Strava. And if you're interested in other apps for mountain biking, be sure to check out our article that was published today about the top 10 apps for mountain bikers. It includes Strava and some other ones that you definitely want to know about. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for joining us. Peace.